No need to understand everything right now. Just feel the truth in your heart. Your pendant will guide you, as it has before. My mom's pendant? Your mother would have wanted you to have it. It was her Valkyrie pendant. And you, dear Emma, her daughter, you are a Valkyrie. Welcome to the Bad Princess Movie Podcast. This is the podcast that seeks to catalog all of the terrible movies about princesses and princesses to be. I am Christy, and I am here with my friend and co-host Bree. Hello. And today we are watching Bellicera Emma's Wings. This is a 2013 CGI animated film that answers that age-old question, what exactly is horse magic? What? I was so excited to learn the secret of horse magic. I was unaware, but you know, I you, you sent me the trailer for this one and the words the secret of horse magic. Yeah, the secret of horse magic was was uttered and I knew. I knew then at that moment. Yeah, this uh, I um it was time. I I specifically sent you the trailer for Bellisera along with um a, a few other options for other movies. But once you saw the trailer, it was like, no, I must know the secret of horse magic. <laughs> you can't just tempt me no. by, with, with the knowledge of the secret of horse magic and not expect me <laughs> to, to need to know. It, it was a bit unfair. I'll give you that. Yeah. Like the other movies kind of didn't have a chance. No. I needed to know what the secret of horse magic was. This one... Th- this one was fun for me because this this was actually a lucky thrift store find. I, I've mentioned previously that I sometimes go on these random internet searches trying to find movies featuring princesses. Um, Bella Sarah is a film that, while arguably the titular character has royal heritage, she doesn't technically become a princess in this film. Yeah, she, she's not really a princess, but she's yeah something. yeah. It's it's very much this is a sort of uh the this is kind of one of my cheat films in that <laughs> the journey that she takes is very much like she might as well be a princess. Yeah. But um it this is this is just one of my cheat films. I just after seeing it on the store shelf, it was probably like two bucks at Valley Village <laughs> and I knew it had to be mined. Oh. I brought it home and I watched it, and I and I knew I knew immediately that I I must show this to to my friends, and now I must I must tell the world the uh, everyone must know the secret of horse magic can no longer stay a secret. No, I it needs are, to be shared with the world. Are we gonna get in trouble? Oh, maybe, maybe <laughs> maybe we should have just kept the secret of horse magic to ourselves. Oh, I, I'm going to get a Fun. knock on my door one day and there's there's just this Clydesdale on my front stoop. Oh, shit. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, God. His hooves are too big. Yeah, thankfully, it'll too big to get in your door. Hopefully. I mean, he could... <gasps> oh, no. You know what it would be? He would, he would use his back hooves to knock on my door and then oh, when I no. open it, he would just kick and i would probably just get launched through my house that's when that the podcast will end 
when uh when the Clydesdales come for Christy. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to give Bree uh, the, the login info for yeah. the podcast so that she could upload Just in a, case. Uh, yeah, yeah. In memoriam. <laughs> I hope they catch the horse that did it. I I don't know if they'll be able to. <laughs> Forensic scientists having to <laughs> track down my horse murderer. They've got the hoof prints from your face. <gasps> oh my god. They have to hoof print everyone. Oh my god. All of the horses in Alberta. Oh Did no. You oh no. Oh no. <laughs> C- CSI Alberta. <laughs> Thankfully, each horse only has four hoof prints. Yeah, that's a lot of work. Man, my, my murder's never getting solved. I mean, well, humans have ten fingerprints. So horses only having four hoof prints might make it easier. I'm gonna have to consult a horse CSI expert. <laughs> An expert in horse CSI. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to follow up on this. Uh, I'll let you know when we find that expert in horse forensics. Which we will have to do preemptively just in case the Clydesdales come for you for revealing the secret of horse magic. Yeah, yeah. So, Breeze, I, I have a bit of history about Belisera that I, I would like to share with you. Oh, please do. Please do, because I was familiar vaguely with Belisera because I think it was out... Uh, around the time that I worked at Toys R Us after high school. So I knew, like, I knew vaguely of an idea that there was a thing called Belisera and there was horses involved, but I didn't know, I couldn't remember what it was. So Christy, please enlighten us all on the history of Belisera. Oh, see, and that's great, because I, I was thinking, I, I realized afterwards that, oh, I've kind of dumped this movie on Brie, but I haven't really, I, I I didn't know if you would know of Bella Sarah. Um, so yeah, this is great. So you're, so you are completely taken aback by this film, which, uh, so to those not in the know, Bella Sarah was a children's trading card game that combined a world of magical horses with gameplay, which is, quoting Wikipedia, which is the most generic description of a trading card game yeah. I've ever heard. <laughs> so Bella Sarah was started in Denmark by Gite Oder Brandengard. Uh, hopefully I've pronounced that somewhat correctly to create an alternative to other popular trading card games that would be more suited to girls and lack an element of competition present in other games. Mm. The trading cards have uh, illustrated images of horses and inspirational messages, and each card would come with a secret code that could be redeemed on the official Bellicera website to, quote, care for and nurture magical horses online. After the game proved successful in Scandinavia, the cards were released on a trial run to the United States at the end of 2006. Sales were good enough that Bellicero went national the following year, but in June of 2013, the United States division ceased all operations and moved its offices to the creator's home in Denmark. 
Uh, since then, the company has been pretty quiet with no new products or updates until 2020, when the Bellocera website was updated to remove all of the existing games, um, instead replacing them with content focused around a card collection app. The creator has apparently said that the old website functionality was not up to the standards of 2020, which I kind of had a hunch about this, so I took a brief look at the site through the Wayback Machine, and as I figured, the original site was built using Flash Player, which as of December 2020 was retired and disabled across <laughs> all modern browsers. Oh, rest in peace, Flash. Mm -hmm. But if you want, though, you can still go to the official Bellicera website, which, uh, most importantly of all, contains a link to a YouTube channel where you can watch this entire movie for free. Yeah, you can just, you can just watch this for free. Just go for it. Mm -hmm. If you, too, want to learn <laughs> the secrets of horse magic. It seems like it's been uploaded by somebody... Presumably by somebody who works for the Bellicera company, but they didn't create, like, an official YouTube page for Bellicera. Yeah, on this, what appears to be this person's personal account. So, uh. <laughs> Sure. Yeah. it's It all appears also to be in a different language. That said, um, apologies in advance for any and all mispronunciations Oh, God, yeah. Over the course of this uh, podcast episode. Because there's, there's some yeah. some mythology things what come in later um, that we'll be trying to. Mm -hmm. I, I, I can't. I don't know. Yeah, we're going to do our best. I mean, listeners to this podcast know that despite it being my first language, I'm not even that great at pronouncing English. So. What? <laughs> <laughs> We'll see how the rest of this goes. We're gonna do great. Yeah, yeah, me and my backwater <laughs> Canadian accent just stumbling <laughs> through all of this. How's about it? Let's let's just Oh, how's it going, eh? Oh, eh? Oh, it's cold out there, eh? You need to get a toucan before you go tobogganing. We'll hit up the Timmies after afterwards. Get ourselves a double double and some Timbits. Oh, I could actually go for some Timbits. <laughs> I haven't had Timbits in so long. Oh, Damn. God. Timbits, for anyone who doesn't know, being like donut holes, basically. Timbits being, of course, the okay. proper name for donut holes. Yes. What kind of name is that? What? Who calls it a donut hole? Yeah, clearly. That just sounds weird. You call you call it a Timbit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> clearly. Clearly the most sensible way yeah. to describe it. Yeah. Oh, Canada. Anyway, so Bella Sarah. Uh, is there anything more to say about this one in the intro, Brie, or should we? I, I don't think so. I think we should get into, um, let's, <laughs> let's just dive into the plot here. All right. Dive on in. Let's now. Take us away, Christy. Mm-hmm. Here we go with the near-ludicrous speed plot summary of Bella Sarah, Emma's Wings.
our film begins and we are introduced to Emma Rowland, a young girl working on her uncle's ranch. Emma is a bit stressed because she promised her uncle that she would write a song for his upcoming eclipse party, but she's struggling with writer's block. She confides her fears to her horse, named Wings, and also confesses that she had a strange dream where she and Wings were flying together. At that moment, Emma is interrupted by the arrival of her cousin Colm. Emma and Colm end up getting into a fight about writing and the comic book Colm is reading, as Colm thinks girls don't appreciate stories about heroes. Emma angrily points out that her own mother was a writer, having written stories about Sega, the Valkyrie Queen of Rollinsgard. And the bravest of them all was Sega, the Valkyrie Queen of Rollinsgard! Yeah, well, I didn't mean all girls. I'm just saying... <laughs> While arguing, Colm accidentally knocks over some of the decorations for the party, causing Emma to storm off back into the barn. While cleaning things up, Emma discovers her mother's old journal, hidden behind a painting of Siga on her flying horse. The journal, which Emma thought to be lost, chronicles the tale of Siga and her mother's own adventures in a mythical land called North of North. Included in the journal is a picture of Emma's mother with an unknown woman. Emma's uncle suggests she take the journal and go for a ride with Wings to get inspiration for her song. Colm ends up taking along on his own horse, in spite of Emma's protests. Eventually, Emma and Colm find their way to a small clearing where they find a lone tree trunk that has been carved into the rough shape of a throne. Emma sits down on the makeshift throne and inspiration strikes her. She writes her song in the journal and sings a sample of it to Colm, who makes fun of it. In anger, Emma throws the journal down on the tree throne, and it glows with magic. Suddenly, the sky grows dark, and a flaming red portal appears. Through the portal come a group of large wolves. They advance on Emma and Colm, who quickly flee on horseback, so quickly that Emma forgets to take her mother's journal. The wolves investigate the tree throne, but before they can spot the journal, some magic turns it invisible to their eye. One of the wolves transforms into the form of a young boy, who we later find out is named Mirfor. We've come to the right place. The Valkyrie Ballad is near. Spread out and find it! At this moment, Emma realizes she's forgotten her mother's journal, and so she turns back to get it. When Emma arrives back at the tree throne, she is immediately cornered by the wolves. Emma's presence causes the journal to reveal itself, and Mirfor grabs it. Colm rushes in and tries to stop Mirfor from taking the journal, but in the struggle the two boys fall through the portal. Colm's horse, Soot, runs in after them, and after some initial hesitation, Emma rides wings through the portal as well. On the other end of the portal, we meet a fairy girl dancing with her horse, Twig. The fairy girl's dancing is interrupted by Colm and Mirfor arriving via the portal, still in the midst of a struggle. Colm manages to get the ballad back from Mirfor, and he takes off on Soot. The fairy girl, who we later learn is named Deru, uses her magic to assist Colm by taking down the wolves one by one. Unfortunately, one particular wolf takes Colm and Deru by surprise, and Colm drops the journal. Colm and Deru escape on horseback, while Mirfor and the wolves are now in possession of the journal. While all that was going on, Emma and Wings arrive via the portal. They are approached by a bright glowing light, which reveals itself as a young woman on horseback, the same woman that appeared in the photo of Emma's mother. Soon after, three horses arrive, and the young woman introduces them to Emma as the legendary horses. 
The woman, named Sarah, explains to Emma that she is in North of North, a world of magical horses. As it turns out, these stories that Emma's mother wrote were all real. For generations, the women of Emma's family have protected North of North. Sarah and the rest of North of North have been waiting for Emma's arrival as they are under threat by the evil Ivena. Ivena, queen of the Mirwolves. She's real? Terribly real. And she will hurt you if she can. They stole your ballad. Ivena is the enemy of horses and good people everywhere. Ivena has been searching for the Valkyrie ballad, Emma's mother's journal, as it holds the secret of how to gain access to Castle Rollinsgard. Once inside, Ivena will discover the greatest power of all, the secret of horse magic. According to Sarah, Ivena can only be defeated by a Valkyrie. Emma doesn't feel as though she can take on the mantle of Valkyrie, fearing that she is too weak. Sarah tries to ease her worries, saying that a Valkyrie's greatest strength is her steed. With that, Sarah uses her magic to give Wings a beautiful pair of wings, giving him the ability to fly. Meanwhile, at Ivena's castle, Mirfora has returned with the Valkyrie Ballad. Ivena is overjoyed, as she will now be able to use the light of the upcoming eclipse to steal all horse magic and transfer it to her Mirwolves. Roland's Guard Castle will be mine! <laughs> oh yeah, uh, one other thing. What? When I left Earth and returned here, I think I might have brought back a hero. And possibly a Valkyrie too? A Valkyrie? You're sure? Did she have a horse? Of course. Ever see a Valkyrie who didn't? Back with Emma and Sarah, the two have set out on horseback to Trail's End, the homeland of Emma's ancestors and the location of Castle Rollinsgard. As luck would have it, they end up reuniting with Colm and Deru. Emma brings Colm up to speed regarding Ivana and the ballad. They decide that Emma, Colm, and Deru will have to team up and storm Ivana's castle to recover the ballad before the start of the eclipse. Sarah uses her magic to transform Cole's horse into a fiery, flying steed, and the trio fly off on horseback. Reaching Ivena's castle, Colm goes off to distract Mirfor and the Mirwolves at the front gate, giving Deru and Emma time to sneak in. They manage to find the journal, but unfortunately for them, Ivena and Mirfor enter, having found and captured Wings and Twig. Ivena mocks Emma, saying that she is no Valkyrie, that she's just a weakling. With the eclipse about to start, Ivena reclaims the ballad and leaves with Mirfor and the horses through a portal to Castle Rollinsgard. At the castle, Ivena uses the light of the eclipse to decode the pages of the ballad. She then uses the magic contained within to restore the path to the castle and blow open its gates. Meanwhile, Emma is distraught over having lost wings in the ballad, believing herself to be a terrible Valkyrie. Deru and Colm encourage her, with Deru telling Emma that her very presence in North of North inspires hope, strength, and courage. With their kind words, Emma gets an idea. Singing the song she wrote earlier, Emma calls for the legendary horses. They fly to Emma and offer their assistance. With that, the group fly off on horseback to Castle Rollinsgard to confront Ivena. 
Using the combined powers of the legendary horses and the teamwork of Deru and Kolm, Emma is able to bypass the Merwolf army and enter the castle. There, she finds Ivana in the middle of using a spell to transfer Twig and Wings' horse magic to Mirfor. Wings! You have to fight her! Come to me, Wings! Follow the sound of my voice! Emma once again begins singing her song, which results in a brief tug-of-war between herself and Iveta over the horses. Thankfully, Ivena's power is no match for Emma, especially once Emma's been joined by her friends in the legendary horses. Emma breaks Ivena's spell and is reunited with Wings. I finally know what horse magic is! It's love! Mirfor attempts to attack Colm, but Colm is able to turn the tables on him, reclaim the ballad, and give it to Emma. Just before the eclipse can finish, Emma, with the ballad, sits on the throne of Castle Rolandsgard and declares herself its Valkyrie. With that, the castle is restored to its former glory, and Mirfor and Avena are forced to flee. Sarah reappears and presents Emma to the people of North of North as the new protector of horse magic. A celebration ensues, but Emma is having trouble enjoying the revelry. Sensing that she is missing her family, Sarah reveals to Emma that the Northern Lights are actually the connection point between our world and North of North. With wings, Emma can fly back and forth between the two worlds as she pleases. And so, the film ends with Emma and Colm flying home on horseback through the Northern Lights. And I guess I that's it. They they're just on their way home. Presumably they'll show up on their uncle on the uncle's ranch with their now winged horse and a horse that has hooves made of fire. I I guess sure. <laughs> <laughs> I was I'll tell you, okay. Mm-hmm. At the point when she was sitting on the throne and like she was like i'm the valkyrie this is my castle i was i have in my notes i have i was fully expecting her to like close her eyes on that thing and wake up on the tree throne from the beginning of the film i'm like do it movie do it make it all just a dream do it do it but it didn't do it so i will say that surprised me damn that would have been kind of great actually Like, Colm is just there and he's just shaking her awake. Wake up, Emma. We gotta get back to the party. I found these orchids that we were sent into the forest to find. Let us get back to the party. Mm -hmm. She's like, oh, I just had the strangest dream. The strangest dream. Yep. (laughs) Oh, God. The movie didn't go that far. And I think uh, because... And I sh- we should mention that so in addition to the trading cards, there's also a book series that the Bella Sarah story that this movie is based on. So the book series quite plainly shows that this is not a dream. This is actually a real thing that happens to Emma. So I guess they they they, they would not they would not have gone it's, that far. It's real. Yeah. Horse she magic is, is real. Yeah. Oh. I'm just 
I feel I feel like we missed out. I feel like we didn't really get a good demonstration of horse magic. I feel like if these horses had been animated to emote at all, we might have been able to see a bit more horse magic. Um, but as it was, these horses, bless, they were probably instructed that these horses needed to look like horses. Like they couldn't cartoon it, cartoonize, like make these horses cartoony enough to actually emote. So mm-hmm. what we get is just a bunch of, it's just a bunch of normal horses. Well, um, no- yeah, normal. Being around. Yeah. Yeah, because even, because Twig is probably, I guess Twig and Wings are the ones that deviate the most from the standard horse appearance. But mostly yeah. just because Wings has wings, or he gets wings. And then Twig, yeah. Twig is like a leafy looking horse, so it sort has, of. has green, green uh, hair? Is it? I Yeah. Well, and then there's like, there's the... <laughs> The three legendary horses. And Soot looks... Look, Soot looks like a cool horse. Soot gets, like, weird oh, yeah. oh, lightning... Yes. Orange lightning. And it's just... It's a cool-looking horse. I, I'm not afraid to tell you that that's a cool horse. Oh. Oh, hell no. Soot, Soot is the best goddamn thing. And it's... That's yeah, a so badass-looking horse. It's like... um, It's kind of like lava. You know, like cracks in, yeah. in, in lava where you could see like the bright white... The bright red cracks through it. And then his hoofs are constantly on fire and he could fly through the sky and he just leaves a smoke trail. Oh my god. Yeah, he's pretty cool. He's um, the best horse. He shows up the legendary horses. Hell yeah. The legendary horses are just like, we're big. <laughs> Not yeah. that much bigger than a normal horse. We're just, but we're legendary. Yeah, they just like slightly scaled up the horse model that they had and just yeah. recolored them. Yeah, but all that to say, it, despite even how cool Soot the horse is, all of these horses, and you know, maybe that because that's probably the appeal of these these treading cards and all of this stuff is that the horses are horses. They're not like cartoony. No, making they, they faces, are... talking horses. They're just horses. Mm-hmm. So... Honestly, something that I was thinking about with this story is that it probably would have been better off as live action. And I think the only reason why it isn't live action is because they needed the horses to be able to fly and have wings. And it was probably yeah easier. Cost, cost prohibitive. Yeah, it it was easier, more more cost efficient to do it all animated than to try and get the budget to do decent special effects to make real horses yeah. look like they were believably flying with giant wings. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. It's Here's the thing. Mm-hmm. If this was a novel that I had been reading when I was however old, 10, 9 to 10, I would probably have read this book. Yeah. So, were, were you I don't a know. horse girl? I was not a horse girl, but I did like horses. I I I never got to the point of being the horse girl. But I did want to like 
go horseback riding because I thought horses were cool. Like, I liked unicorns. Yeah. When I oh, was yeah. like five and six, that was my jam. I was like, fuck yeah, unicorns. And so that was sort of the natural evolution in, into being a little older. And I was like, I like horses. They're cool and big and and magical. And now as an adult, I'm like, horses are neat. They're also terrifying. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to a, yeah, to no. a, a weird degree. That's my thing is like that. you grow up and realize how scary they are. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't like horses because they, it's like we're joking about, we're, we were joking about the Clydesdale at the beginning, but no, like, that could actually happen. I mean, not, like, that exact scenario. Yeah. I'm pretty sure a Clydesdale... No, isn't. but, like, a horse kicks you and you're you're fucked. Yeah. And, like, I don't like... I, I don't like big animals. So any animal that is, like, taller than my knee, I'm like, no, no, no. This cannot do. Get away from me, you giant animal. Yeah. Yeah. I do not trust you. It's too, I do, I do it's not too trust large. Yeah, I do not trust any animal that could easily just like with one kick, uh, stomp me into the ground, or crush I need, you. Yeah, I need to. I need. I only like the animals that I could feasibly win a fight against. If it comes down to it. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's. I like. They're cool. I'd go horseback riding again. But there's something that I have. I have grown from the the ooh big horse cool and now it's like big horse still big big horse still cool but also terrifying mhm i think cuz we like get older and we're more aware aware yeah aware of our own mortality and so then it's yeah. Suddenly, yeah but you, i mean you that... learned how of the many ways a horse could kill you and you're like oh yeah. Oh no. And how efficient too. Not to say horses are bad. No, to no. Any no. horse, horse folks <laughs> listening. Yeah. To any horses are still nice. Yeah. They're oh, just yeah. scary and nice. That, yeah, like that's that's the thing is that it's just they are an animal who, without, w- without knowing their own strength, they could hurt yes. you. Yes. But all that to say, not a horse girl, not a horse girl, but but did enjoy horse horse stories as a child. So if this had been something that I had had access to when I was little, I probably would have enjoyed it. I probably that was sort of my my thought while I was watching this Mm -hmm. is that like if this was a, a novel for children and I had had it as a child, I would have read this. Because it's yeah. magical horses. It's not just regular horses. It's magical horses. Well, and and for me, for me, the thing that stands out is that, like, because I, I like escapist fantasy stuff. I like being able to put myself in the shoes yeah. of like the normal, the normal girl who, oh, she finds out that she's actually something, or she gets stuck into the fantasy world. Like that's all very cool. So yeah, like the idea of, oh, like. I, I've just found out that I, I'm actually uh, this Valkyrie, uh, or descendant of a Valkyrie, and I, it's my duty to protect all horses. Like, yeah, like that, that's, that's kind of right up my alley. Uh, on the note of books, or this movie being a book, um, 
we'll probably get into it more during some of the specifics of the discussion, but I ended up on the Bellicera wiki to kind of, I, I just started Oh, baby, trying... so did I. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. High five. <laughs> Hell yeah. But it is, yeah. But it was, <laughs> honestly, I, like, I, I guess to give my general thoughts right off the bat, I, I kind of like this film. It's sort of charmingly dumb. It is very confusing to follow. The, the plot doesn't really explain some oh, stuff. Oh, yeah. Over explains other things. Not at all. And yet, when I ended up on the wiki and I started reading through the inspiration for some of these characters and kind of the what how the novels treated this story, I was kind of left feeling a little sad because from what I read on the wiki, there's actually some kind of interesting stuff in the novels that did not translate into the movie or did not make its way into the movie yeah yeah like that's that's also like seeing that on the wiki really reinforced my my sort of thought of like i wish this had been a book series that i could have read as a as a as a wee little brie mm -hmm. because it would have been I, I feel like it would have been fun it would have been a, a nice little adventure story yeah with some it, good stuff in it. It left me feeling I, I like this film really missed the mark on properly setting up the Bella Sarah universe. Oh yeah. Not you know, I like because I remember the first time I watched this, like I I just watched it for itself and I didn't think about the you know, because I, I I'm sure that I went onto Wikipedia later and I learned about the trading card thing, but I I don't remember going any further than that. And when you look at this movie in isolation, it completely kind of fails at at making you want more. Yeah. And so knowing that the Bella Sarah company, like their heyday was obviously, um, has kind of passed in North America. Um you know, based on, on what we kind of talked about in the history, they, there's not really much movement in the company right now other than the app that they're doing. Um, so it kind of just feels like there was potential in this to introduce the, the Bellicera novels to a wider range of people and tell that better story. Yeah. And it just did not happen. And it's probably not going to happen now. Which is just kind of sad to me. It doesn't do a super great job. Because they do just throw you in. They're like, here's girl. Uh, and also blonde boy. Um, they are probably related. They're, yeah, they're, uh, they're cousins. Her mom wrote stories. Yeah, they're cousins. I thought they were brother and sister at first. Cousins, as it turns out. Mm -hmm. But they were just like, they drop you in. It feels like there was like 30 minutes of this film we didn't see. Yeah. Like, they could have been, like, an extra half hour at the beginning setting up, A, the main characters, and B, the whole Bella Sarah sort of world. Well, and they does, so, but. so this film is one of the ones that I kind of, you don't get a good sense of it from the summary that I did, because I had to, I had to edit this shit quite a bit, because this is sort of akin yeah. to, like, The Princess and the Pea. When we went through that one, 
it very like there's all of these scene changes you go you're with one character and then you're with the other character then you're this character and then back to the first character and then this character and so yeah you are jumping around so much that it feels like it takes forever for the story to actually get going because it just feels like it's set up set up set up set up and finally by the time that emma and colm and the group are all together and they're going to go storm the castle they've you know like everybody's in on what's happening they're up to speed with it it's 40 minutes into this hour and i think it's hour and 10 minute movie like that's a pretty s- yeah you're you're in the last yeah I, f- I feel like it's in the last 10 to 15 minutes that things actually happen yeah <laughs> and everything before that is just set up yeah which is like it wouldn't be so bad if it was like coherent setup mm-hmm but it, it it like you said, it's very it jumps around between characters. It introduces stuff it, that doesn't really go anywhere. Like you have like the magic ring. The okay, yes. Oh, there's a whole scene. Yeah, God. Yes, the whole scene. So there's so there's Ivana. So Ivana has this is where she has the Valkyrie ballad, and she can't read it because it's in some kind of language she can't understand. And so Mirfor suggests that she use this evil-looking ring that just is there. Um, there's no explanation for where it came from. It just is on her table. Um, so he tells her, he suggests that she uses the ring to use its power to read the ballad. And so Ivena puts it on, and all it does is make her voice go all high-pitched and funny. Oh, great ring of darkness, obey my command. Reveal the secrets contained within this Valkyrie ballad! Ah! <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> What's happening to my voice? Mirfor! Yeah, and there's this whole thing about how it's like, why don't you use the ring? Why don't you use the ring? Yeah. Oh no, I don't think I should. And it's it's like this weird scene where it builds up this ring that just happens to be sitting on this table as something that is maybe very powerful. Yeah. And then she turns it on. It just makes her voice squeaky and then she takes it off. Yeah. And that's like, that's it. And I'm like, was this something in the original books? Like, did they have a bunch of magic rings that did different things, maybe? Yeah. And... It just like I mean that's like a that's a good point because there's a lot of stuff in this film that only after reading the wiki did I realize that it kind of has these connections to the original stories and you kind of realize oh okay so maybe this like this could be something that is from the novels that they just chose not to explain. Yeah, this is a special inside joke for those Bellisera fans that have already read the novels. I mean, Mirfor himself is a thing in the novels that is not explained (laughs) in the the best character. Oh my god. I so Mirfor in this movie, he's just like this he's this wolf boy that he he can transform into a human. And he looks to be around um, Colm and Emma's age. Uh, 
Yeah. And he kind of almost acts like Ivana's, like, annoying younger brother. Like, they just kind of have that relationship, like, with the ring thing. Like, it's almost like he pulled a prank on her. Yeah. Is how it comes across. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But, <laughs> but Mir- yeah. He's just, he's just vaguely snarky and kind of weird. And I'm like, yeah, all right, this- <laughs> This character, this is this is the one I enjoy. And I thought maybe he was going to be the kind of character that, like, he was the bad boy, and then he would join the good squad. Oh, really? Um, and bec- become something. I don't know. It gave me that sort of sense. But instead, he was just a wolf boy, and he's evil. Mm-hmm. Well, he's so he's a wolf boy, and they don't really... Because here's the thing, is that there's a pack of wolves that... Ivena's in charge of. Uh, Mirafor is the only one that we see turning into a human. And so I was kind of confused of what exactly he was. Like, was he a wolf that Ivena give, gave the ability to turn into a human to for some reason? Um, I don't... I assume so, because he, he... Even when he's, like, a person, he does wolf things. Yeah, yeah. he, like, eats out of a doggy is- dish at one point. Yeah, that was the weird. Yeah. It was like, goes over and, and goes on all fours and eats out of a dish on the ground. I'm like, that's a little strange. Mm-hmm. That That's... Hmm. But... I don't know. He was he was just a funny character. I liked him. Here's here's where I ended up on the Bella Sarah wiki because I was like, like, what is Mirfor? This is explained. Like, is he, is he a race of werewolf people or something? But, okay, so... What his deal is, is that outside of the movie, Mirfor was just Ivena's giant wolf steed. Um, so I- Yeah, he was just a big, big wolf. Yeah, like, he's just a giant- and he looks badass in the- I don't know if you saw the illustrations, but like- Oh, I did. They look really cool. He, yeah, he <laughs> looks awesome. And, and it's like, he's just this giant wolf that she could ride. And then, and then here, here he is in the movie. He's just like this snarky little teenage boy that I, she does. To be fair, she does write him at one point at the end, um, which is so goofy because he's not that much bigger than like the other. Like the wolves aren't wolf size; they're like medium dog size, and he's like barely. He's like a he's like a kind of large ish dog, but she's just like adult woman riding on the equivalent of like a. Like a golden retriever. Yeah, yeah. And they just, <laughs> just, just ride off into the... He gives, like, this, like... Does not work. He gives a speech about how, like, we'll always be here lurking in the shadows. This is big dramatic exit. And then she just rides him off into the He sunset. turns into a little puppy and she rides him away. <laughs> kind of adorable. <laughs> oh, it's so goofy. It's not fearsome. It's not threatening at all. No. It's just like, aw. Ivena herself, so this is, again, more more wiki stuff, is that her whole deal is that she is the leader of the wolf riders who, back in Siga's day, so Siga the Valkyrie Queen who kind of started all of this, there was a group of women called the Caregivers who it seems like they were just people who went around helping others. Um, and so one day their leader died and some evil lady decided to try and seize power 
offering up her giant wolves as a more powerful mount for any of the caregivers who were willing to follow her. And so the ladies who abandoned their horses for the wolves became the first wolf riders. So basically, Ivena comes from a family of people who went, actually, wolves are kind of sweet and they're better than horses. <laughs> This is great. This big wolf girl versus horse girl energy going on in this whole film. Yeah, yeah. That's you know what? That's what it boils down to. Wolf girl versus horse girl. Yep. I just That's all I could think of. Oh, that's perfect. <laughs> like a horse girl that really hates wolf girls. Yes. It's like horses are clearly better. But back on the note of shit that this movie sets up but does nothing with. Uh, Emma's pendant, which, oh yeah, I completely wrote this out of the summary because this amounts to absolutely nothing. But after she finds the journal, she's, while she's looking at the picture of her mother with the then unknown woman, this magical glow appears and suddenly the necklace that her mother was wearing in the photo is around Emma's neck. And it sounds like that should be an important thing to note, but this magic necklace has no bearing on the plot whatsoever. Emma herself doesn't even think too much of it. It magically appears around her neck, and she barely reacts to that. Um, it glows a few yeah. times while she and Colm are in the woods prior to when they meet Mirfor. It's almost like a warning device that, like, ooh, magic is happening. Um, the only acknowledgement we get about the necklace is that Sarah says that it's a Valkyrie pendant and that it'll guide Emma somehow, but... For the most part, yeah, it's unclear how, if anything, it's supposed to be guiding her. It just, again, it just kind of glows every so often. Yeah. And it's just, it's completely forgotten by halfway through the film. Mm -hmm. she, it's just, don't worry about it. She has it now. And Valkyrie. Yeah. Also, they're like, okay, Valkyrie haven't been around this place for a thousand years, mm -hmm. but also her mother was here and she is a Valkyrie because her mother was, but her mother wasn't a Valkyrie because there's been no Valkyries for a thousand years. There's blood holes yeah. in this in this children's film. That's because they, <laughs> yeah. Well, and they changed it from the original story, which was confusing because originally, um, it, like, specifically the original story, it was that Emma was the first girl born in her family line in over a thousand years. And so that's kind of why she was special is that there, there wasn't this generational thing. Like the movie specifically says like, like Sarah tells Emma, Oh, I knew your mother and your grandmother. Your family has been coming here for, for forever. And, and no, and again, in the original lore, according to the wiki, um, there, there was this whole thing with Siga who, she was the original Valkyrie queen. Um, basically what happened is that she was an immortal being and she was sworn to help mortal heroes fulfill their potential and meet their fates. But she fell in love with a human prince and she couldn't bear to see him die. So she saved him from certain death. And as punishment, she was exiled. She lost her Valkyrie powers and she was also cursed so that her line would only ever produce sons. Um, the one positive is that she was allowed to live together with her prince as a mortal, but only for one year before the prince was made immortal and locked away in a castle. Oof. That sucks. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Siga was then banished to Earth, and from the sounds of it, she eventually just ended up dying of old age. Um, but it was prophesied that one day a girl would be born to Siga's family line, which, of course, this ended up being Emma. Um, so once this girl was born, she would be able to claim her rightful place among the Valkyries, and she would protect North of North. So it's a weird thing that the film added this in, that they kind of... I, I don't know if retcon is the right word, but I guess it just kind of rewrote the backstory of of Emma and her family and her family's the characters, connection. Yeah. yeah, which it just kind of seems like a weird choice. Yeah. So I'm kind of curious, like why? Because I I kind of like the story of Siga and just... and what happened better than yeah yeah because that's that I like that that's a decent little. That's a decent little tale. I like that a lot. Yeah. And then they just were like, nah. <laughs> yeah. Can't get into that in the movie. Don't worry about it. We need to have the funny ring scene. I guess. Yeah. Well, that, that stupid scene that, that amounted to nothing. And the villains are so non-threatening <laughs> in this one. Oh, God. Yeah, they are. They're completely just nothing. Yeah. Which, I mean... It, you can have that in, especially media for children. Like, you don't always have to have yeah. a threatening villain, but it just makes it hard to take seriously. Especially when, like, you're you're trying to set it up so that the main characters feel as though they are in peril. And it's hard to believe, the or hard to empathize with characters in peril when the peril that they are facing is... Uh, goofy woman who rides dogs <laughs> rides dogs has her voice yeah. turned chipmunk for a little bit yeah cause like I could see like the the designs for them in the card game look intimidating mm-hmm. like they look like like oh, what's this? I keep I know I look at him and his name is gone from my head the boy. Uh, Colm? No. Wolf boy. Mirfor? Mirfor. God damn. His name won't stay in my brain. It's weird. So, like, in the illustration, Mirfor is, like, this huge, scary wolf, and Ivena is, like, this terrifying sorceress woman. And you're like, damn, that looks like a threat. And then you see them in this film, and they're, like, being goofy doing silly voices and you're like wait hang on this isn't this isn't cool (laughs) it's it's funny because in the history section i mentioned that the card game was kind of started as there there was that that bit about they wanted a a card game that would be more suited to girls and lack an (sighs) element of competition and and from that you kind of feel like they wanted to do something like oh girls girls need they need magical horses and and butterflies and rainbows we don't want we don't want competition for our girls but then you see the but then but then you see you see the original novel you see the novels with like this fierce wolf warrior lady and her giant badass wolf and and uh you know even some of the backstory for some of the characters like well like siga like the whole thing with her prince and having to be yeah cursed mortal like that's like like it's just kind of a weird disconnect between 
what that little write-up has sort of suggested about the trading card. Yeah. Um, The whole girls don't like conflict thing is completely untrue, for one. I don't think it's a bad thing to be like, I want a, a trading card game or whatever that is not based around conflict. That's fine. That's, you know, that's a-okay. To be like, we need to make this for girls because they don't like fighting. It's like, no. <laughs> no, that's not. They like horses. Um, also, probably they wouldn't mind doing battle against wolves. Well, if they're horse that's girls. The thing, like, is that it's like. I guess the idea is that they didn't want competition between girls playing the card game, but they are okay with this epic story of a young girl having to uh, take on the mantle of Valkyrie and protect horse kind from from the <laughs> all evil the magic wolf. horses. Yeah, like yeah. it is like kind of there is this sort of adversarial element to the story, but not the gameplay itself. I guess is the key difference. Yeah. But, like, I mean, that's, like, as somebody who grew up in the Pokemon, the heyday of the Pokemon card era oh, when that first yeah. came out, you don't you don't need to play the trading card game to be competitive as shit or to get into fights about this stuff. Like... Oh, God, yeah. How many fights on the playground were started because somebody, like, like was jealous over somebody else's Charizard holographic card? Or oh. you got a bad trade oh, yeah. or something. Oh, God, it. yeah. That's why That's why they had to ban them at schools. Yeah. Man. And I tell you, I got um, a holographic Charizard and a booster pack. I was pretty <gasps> cool at school the next day. Everyone like, I'll trade you these 80 cards for your Charizard. And I'm like, no. This is my Charizard. <laughs> I didn't even I didn't even play the game. I just wa- I just was like, no. yeah, I have this Charizard. I I had a holographic Charizard too, and I ended up trading him for a holographic Alakazam <gasps> because I no joke, I thought because they had the list of the cards, right? The cards that you can oh, get. And I thought uh-huh. that I thought that because Alakazam was at the start of the list that he was like the most rare and powerful, but it was just alphabetical. Oh. Oh no, Christy! <laughs> oh, it's all right though. I found Digimon Tragic. shortly after. Yeah, that's fair. You didn't stay with. You found a new love shortly thereafter. I got on the Digimon train, and then shortly thereafter, nothing I did mattered because I was never going to be the cool kid ever again. <laughs> Well, I say I was the cool kid. I wasn't really the cool kid. I was the nerd-ass kid that managed to luck out and get a Charizard, so yeah. everyone wanted to talk to me for a couple days. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> they just wanted to use you for your holographic Charizard. They just wanted my holographic Charizard. I was like, no. But I could... I wish that I... I know it happened, and I wish I could have witnessed the fights that Bella Sarah started, because there were surely little girls who were so pissed off at other little girls for having, like, you have the legendary horse that I want, you won't trade it to me, or whatever. Yeah, oh, you know, there there was some girls. It's like, we don't want competition in this game. It's like, little girl's gonna find that anyway. 
they are going to compete to get oh, yeah. the best horses. So instead of fighting in the card game, they're just going to fight each other as human beings. Yeah. They're absolutely, like, especially, like, like I mean, this is true of all humans, all ages. But oh, especially yeah. little kids, they will find any reason to be a shithead to you. Oh, God, Whether yeah. it's because, because <laughs> you got braces, or you got glasses, or because you don't have the fancy legendary horse that they do. Yeah, this is a club only for, like, legendary horse people. Uh, you just have- Legendary horse horses. girls? Legendary horse girls. <laughs> 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 oh, God. God. No, like, regular horse girls or, like, wolf girls allowed. And if you're a dragon girl, don't even talk to me. Oh, shit. I didn't even think about dragon girls. Oh. <gasps> Oh, you gotta remember Dragon Girls. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, I think I was all three at some point during my 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 youth. Not to oh. not to the full extent, but definitely went yeah. through all three phases. I I mean from like grade grade four to probably grade ten, I was all about Digimon. I guess so. I guess that made me the Digimon girl. Um, yeah, you were the Digimon girl. And then I think in high school, I kind of became like the Labyrinth girl, but I also I didn't like show it off as much. Like you kind of start learning how to hide. <laughs> <laughs> you start. It learning, becomes your oh, okay. secret. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, I can be weird as shit in the privacy of my own home. I can host a podcast exclusively yeah. about watching princess movies, but so long as mom and dad don't find out. You know, that's the main thing. Uh, yeah. Like, Brie, when I die, oh. I'm gonna have to, like, leave instructions that you come to my house and you, like, take all of my princess movies and just, I don't know, throw them in a ditch somewhere or something. Just get them out of my house so that when my when my family comes to clean it out, they're not, like, left wondering what to do with these <laughs> this hundred, over a hundred and thirty fucking princess movies. <laughs> I will, I will, as, as your legacy, just d put, bring them to like a value village and be like, someone else must take up the torch. I leave it oh my in God. the hands of fate. The next princess you movie <laughs> connoisseur that would be, will find these. That would be especially fitting for Bella Sarah. Yeah. <laughs> from, from whence you came, so do you return. Bella Sarah. Oh my God. Yeah, please, when you put that one into the bin at Value Village, please do so with some ceremony attached to it. I will. I, I will. <laughs> maybe maybe while you're doing it, um, play the song that Emma sings in the film. Oh my god. Just, like, yeah, okay. Bring bring a little boombox with you and just blast it through the store. Okay, I will. <laughs> Done. Oh, god, that song. Oh. Oh. That song's great. The song I love so much because that's another thing that it doesn't really have anything to do with the movie, but by God, they try and work it in. You know, like at least they try oh, with yeah. that one. Oh, yeah. It's, you How, know, she, they were like, we should have a musical number and it's part, and she can sing it and it's part of her Valkyrie. It's because it's the Valkyrie ballad. 
is the ballad is her song. Well, because they kind of, like, they try and play it off as, like, a a family trait that, like, her uncle comments that all the women in the family were great writers or songwriters or something. So it's, it's almost, I don't know, maybe suggested to be a trait of people, of of the Valkyrie line, um, I guess. It's like, I don't, I don't mind that they tried to give her, like, a little something to do other than just be a horse girl. Um, but like the <laughs> the way that it's incorporated into the film, where she just at the end, she's just like, "I have an idea. How about I just sing, and that'll somehow draw the legendary horses to me." That's my Valkyrie power. Hmm. I guess. Oh, and I guess I should clarify. So it's because in the summary I mentioned that she sings the snippet of the song to Colm and he laughs at her yada yada. There's there's a point when they're flying to Ivana's castle that that's where she busts out the full song and she has a moment where she sings to herself. Um, so that's mostly like that's like I guess the big payoff that they have the big song moment in the film. It's not a musical, but she still sings, and then. They forget about it again until the end where she sings it to get the legendary horses. And then she sings it to win the tug of war um, of, of between herself and Ivana. Yeah, is, Ivana has like wings and twig in a magical bubble. And she's just kind of hovering. Emma sings the song and they hover towards her. And then Ivana's like, no! And then they hover back towards Ivana. And then they sort of just hover back and forth a little bit while <laughs> so Emma good. just starts singing progressively louder. It's and then they so break free good. of the magical bubble. They don't they don't move. No, they, they don't like... move. They don't emote. They're not doing anything. They're just like standing kind of dejectedly in this bubble. It's like, you know, like, like when you're playing with toys, like little kids playing with toys and they're just kind of like this, this action figure with no articulation to it. That's what it feels like that somebody was just like turning the horse model in air. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I love it so much. Just incredible. Cause like (sighs) these horses don't, don't emote beyond a, a whinny and a neigh here and there so anything they do is just sort of like this just looks like a horse that's just stuck here until the very end where they all pull like a weird happy face and dance in a circle yeah that was a great moment too it's oh it's because the animation on them like it's just weird that they're just they're dancing in a circle but they're kind of sliding around in a circle Oh, and I was yeah. trying to like th- think like is there like why is this happening? Why like just trying to understand like the thought process of why why the circular motion? Why not just have them dance in place because that seems like that would be the easiest thing to it do. It would be easier. Yeah. I mean, I can answer from a technical standpoint which is time to it takes time to put footfalls and make them work properly in 3D because you can move the whole model around but you have to actually do stuff to like make sure that the feet land and plant um but if you don't have time sometimes you just say fuck it (laughs) and the horses slide (laughs) 
and they slide around and you say maybe no one will notice maybe no one will notice especially if we frame the scene so that it's a long shot so you can make sure that you see every single person's foot as it's sliding across the ground (laughs) shh don't look at that don't look at that listen it's fine don't look don't it's look. fine. Don't look. Also, I, also, don't look at the very beginning of the film where Colm is riding his horse around a a barrel doing trick riding, and it's so funny to me because this this is a CG movie. So being a CG animator, I can I I can sometimes see the little tricks they do, and I can like it's like seeing into the Matrix where I can almost <laughs> see where the NURBS curves were on the on the CG models, and I'm like, I can see what they did. So oh, there's wow. he's like spinning in a circle, and I'm like, oh, okay, they just sort of, they put a little locator there and attached him to the locator and just spun the locator, and his feet don't hit the ground properly, but, you know, that's how you get that horse doing that in, like, an hour, baby. Or less. So it's, it is yeah. weird sometimes where I'm like, I can see... I can see where they didn't go into the graph editor. Like they didn't have enough time to go back into the graph editor and really smooth out some curves or like they just took a control and sort of Mm -hmm. wrenched it over and like made that the pivot point. Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah. But like this was also done in a studio in Montreal, Canada. Transitioning to that. Mm hmm. There, there were a few Canadian uh, studios that were involved in this. Yeah. Um, the the ones that I noted were, so there was the Winnipeg-based Buffalo Gal Pictures and Toronto's Entremedia Digital Films. Um, and, like, the credits, like, listed a bunch of, like, different financial participation from, like, stuff like the Shaw Rocket Fund, which for non-Canadians, it's a non-profit organization that funds Canadian children's television. Yeah. Um, there's also like different they, like they it's it's kind of weird i've never seen this in credits before where they actually credit um the tax credits that they use to produce the film so there was ones from yeah like yeah. montreal and toronto and and manitoba it, i i was kind of poking around to try and see if i could find more about some of the studios that were associated with the films and at least for entre media digital films I couldn't really find anything, so I'm not sure if they are still around or if they're maybe operating under a different mm. name. But at least with Buffalo Gal Pictures, they are still around today as an independent TV and film studio. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. It doesn't look like they have done any um, further animated films, and I actually wasn't able mm. to find any mention of Bella Sarah in their filmography. Oh. So the only hits that I got when I searched for it were a few news articles that were announcing the upcoming animated film that they were working on. Um, huh. And and one of those articles said specifically that um, there were... I, I don't know the exact number of people who were working on the film in total, but there were at least 45, um, because it mentions that in all, 45 positions will be created to make the animated movie the first for the Canadian ah. city. Yeah, that's because, mm. like, you need all the the management people, then you need, you know, environment, textures, rigging, modeling, animators, lighting, FX, etc., etc., etc. So as far as I could see in the credits, there were, like, 13 animators total 
on this Mm -hmm. project. So like, I can see where, where maybe they needed to, if they had to hit deadlines, they, they, there was probably some things that they just were like, just do it. Just get it done. Uh, Oh, absolutely. So no, no, zero shade on the, (laughs) on the animators at all. Um, Cause we all know that life. (laughs) Yeah. And, and you know what too, like I like we should mention that even like with the animation stuff we have mentioned and some of the character models stuff that we mentioned mostly about the horses, like this is a this is an okay looking film. Like if we compare it to something like Cindy the Fairy Princess, like this is this <laughs> looks way better than Cindy. Yeah, like it's Yeah, like this isn't this isn't a terrible looking film. And no. Especially for like probably the like the first and only thing done by a studio. There's probably no pipeline set up, mm-hmm. you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All of this animation stuff, and I can't speak to the other departments, but probably it was it was. I can only imagine how it was set up to run within the studio. So like, it got made, and that's pretty amazing. And they and they do try, you know, oh, which yeah. I appreciate. Oh yeah, absolutely. They're, like the scene, the bits where where Emma in the clearing where she first finds the tree trunk throne, which is, I think that's kind of my favorite, like actually good part of the film because it's just kind of a neat moment to think about as as it's like foreshadowing the rest of the story and also just the visual of this tree trunk that's been shaped into a throne. They also try and do something with the lighting. Like, it's kind of at dusk. Um, so it's yeah. not, like, a very strong lighting. Because um, I, you know, I imagine they were limited by what they had. But there is lighting involved, which, again, is a hell of a lot more than we could say for some of the other films that we have and will be taking a look at. Yeah. Yeah. And then when she when she sits down on the throne, there's a bunch of butterflies that fly up and... And it's like it's a really cool moment. I really like that moment. It it's a shame that the rest of the film can't really quite match that level of wonder um that that bit foreshadows. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Completely aside when cuz I didn't know that this had originally been sort of a a, a Scandinavian production you said. Uh, I think from from Denmark originally is where the creator is yeah. from. Okay, so I hadn't I hadn't known that it was um from Denmark. I was struck by the fact that they were using a bunch of Norse-ish mythology. What with the Valkyries and mm. the Yeah. Like they they have a world tree, which in Norse mythology I believe is Oh, and I'm gonna put again. Pardon for how this is going to be pronounced, but Yggdrasil, Yggdrasil. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they're like, "Here is our world tree, Dresselmare." And I'm like, "Hold on, wait." <laughs> and the, it's not the Aurora Borealis; it's the Auroboros. Which is which sounds like Ouroboros, which is strange because that's something else. That's a that's a snake. And like, because I, I was so curious, because I'm like, okay, they're using Valkyries and they're using things that are vaguely 
Norse-ish. Um, Norse magic, horse magic. There it is. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you done it! <laughs> I did it. I cracked the code. Oh, you figured it out. <laughs> God. Uh. Uh. <laughs> Cause like I was like, oh, fuck. What was his name? Mirfor. Damn it. Yeah, yeah. I was like, is Mirfor a thing? Like, is that like a, a part of mythology? No, not that I could find. Mir, I think, does mean dark or something. Oh, uh, um, okay. But that was all I could find. Uh, but yeah, okay. it was. So it they're... sort of st- struck me as like, are they just, are they making. Is it sort of meant to be these sort of legends but it makes mm-hmm. more sense now that it was made by someone someone who probably actually knows what they're talking about when they're yes. incorporating these myths and legends into the story yeah so yeah we we definitely um like i i'm sure that it's been as you kind of mentioned like with the world tree the name there like there's stuff that we like because I some of the things that you pointed out I did not pick up on as originating or kind of having from uh like a connection to Norse mythology, so well, I imagine and- that there's 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 some stuff that's lost on us. Yeah, and like I don't know if Aurora Borealis is part of the the mythology, but they did like call it the Ouroboros, and I was like, wait, excuse me, um. But then they also have, like, Deru is a dryad, which is not a Norse mythology thing at all. So, I don't know. Oh, okay. Hmm. That's Greek. Oh, okay. So, yeah, that's maybe, true. Yeah, so, like, it feels like uh, they were sort of just, like, picking things from from different sort of mythological texts. Mm-hmm. But it was just, it just struck me, because I was like, you don't see a lot of, like, a lot of that in princess films or not strictly princess films, but like, you know, films for young children in North America. Yeah. And I think especially for girls, because like, usually, I mean, usually the thing that we see with Norse mythology is that it's always on the side of Vikings. Like that's kind of, that's like the marketable thing in North America. And so, when they choose to focus on that, as a result, they you're usually marketing it to boys. And so it, it is interesting to see them take part of the Norse mythology that isn't like that, you know, stereotypical like Viking depiction, and instead they're they're taking a different element of it and they're they're marketing it to little girls. Yeah. Yeah, so I just thought that was kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. piqued my interest yeah and I, I think again like I feel like there's just stuff in this movie that like I just wish that this movie was done better I guess and and no intended shade to the animators or to the writers it's just it sounds like there was just a lot of potential from the source material that as mentioned earlier, it just didn't really get translated well into the movie. 
Yeah. There was probably just too much to try and get from their their vast trading card mm-hmm. sprawling universe to try and yeah. condense it into a movie. Yeah, that and I'm sure there's always, like, you always have to deal with, like, executives or the people who are supplying you the money who are going, okay, well, we'll give you the money, but we want you to make these changes because we want to make sure that this is going to appeal to the widest range that we can get so that we get our yep. money back. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. So there might have been a lot of stuff that they wanted to fit in, but they kind of just had to keep paring it down to make the financers happy. Can can we talk about Colm for a bit? Just because we kind of ignored I, him a lot I during... Guess. Yeah. I just, I just need to say that I hate him. <laughs> <laughs> sucks he just sucks he's the annoying uh because i thought they were brothers because he's the annoying brother character um and just kind of sucks um but he's the annoying cousin character and he's also supposed to be two years older than than emma which is surprising because i thought he would be at least her age or younger but he's just sort of like a just kind of a dick he's just kind of a jerk He he does the typical thing where he he's the character that he's not supposed to be bad, but they keep getting him into arguments with Emma to like kind of move the plot along to get Emma to yeah. react. And, it's and like, so like he girls don't do blah 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 blah. It's like shut up, Colm. <laughs> yeah, get out of here. Shut the hell up. Fuck off. Yeah, Cole. and it's. And then he'll do something or he'll, like, like he, yeah, like he does, he starts his argument about the co- the comic book and girls are, don't like heroes. And then he ends up, he knocks over all the decorations for the party. And then he's, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean for it to, you know, it's, it's that's his character is that he starts arguments. Yeah. He causes bullshit. And then he's, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean for this to happen. And you're supposed to, like. You're supposed to forgive him because he didn't intend for it, but it's like, no, 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 you still caused this. You got yeah. You still did this. Stop. Maybe stop being such a jerk ass. Mm-hmm. For like five minutes, you don't have to yeah. apologize. Yeah, and like he does kind of get better as the film goes on, but I feel like that's more that they just don't. He stops getting screen time. Yeah. 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 Uh, do you know what what's great about him though um and a, i i i felt like i had to mention this is i i, I thought his name his voice sounded familiar so i looked it up and where i know him from is that he was the voice he's his voice actor also provided the voice of gordy reinhardt in angela anaconda oh no <laughs> <laughs> oh no yeah oh i hated I... that show oh, why is why it. would you why would you conjure images of angela anaconda in my brain again why would you do this Be- christy i quit the podcast this is the hey, final hey, straw i'm out of here you shut you shut your mouth angela anaconda was a great show I, w- I won't that stand movie, for this. That movie, or that show, was the fucking worst. I hated it so much. Christy, we can't, it. we can't be friends anymore. 
excuse me. Excuse me. They did a whole fucking parody of Digimon that they played before I'm... the Digimon movie, which oh. I saw in theaters. Thank you. And it was great. Angela Digivolved to Angelomon. Well, that's uh, it. the po- Bad Princess Movie Podcast. We've had a good run. Um, hey. I'll be bowing out hey. of the podcast now. Um, I can't be associated with anyone who enjoyed Angela Anaconda, so please enjoy this final. <laughs> yeah, and I look forward to uh, the next episode where I begin my solo recap of the Angela Anaconda series. Oh. Oh. My name is Angela. Hey, hello. Please stop. Please Welcome no. To- Please. I'm, I'm hanging show. up. I'm hanging up. Goodbye. It's to you. Oh, no. Goodbye. No! Oh, she did leave. Oh, there she's back. <laughs> you dick. <laughs> I left the Discord call for our. Uh, you. For our you. I honestly, you should have just like you should have just like left me sweating for like five minutes. I appreciate that you didn't. <laughs> but that would have been a real power move if you had. Oh, I I considered it. If that song gets stuck in my head now, Christy, we're not friends anymore. <laughs> oh, so many. They had so many good songs no, in Angela Anaconda. No. Anyway. Anyway. Um, <laughs> is, is that it? For Bella Sarah's? Or I, anything I else feel like that's it for Bella Sarah. <laughs> yeah. Were there, like were, there, were there any... any uh, favorite moments that you'd like to share before we wrap this one up? No. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, that's, that's a good sign. Um. Not really, I guess. Nothing really stood out to me super a lot. No. No. It's it's funny because this one, I think, I feel like the discussion of what we could have had, what movie yeah. we could have had, sort of overtook the discussion of the actual movie. Yeah. Yeah. Which I guess is the main indication of quality here. I still find, I guess if I could give my general recommendation for the movie, I find this one funny. It's a little bewildering uh, because stuff happens and... You don't really understand why. There are some funny animation moments. Uh, there's some auto-tune with the song that Emma oh, sings yeah. that is kind of funny. Um, Emma herself is kind of a boring protagonist, though. They try yeah, and give her an she's, arc. She's just the every girl. Yeah. She's kind of... she's She's not confident about becoming a Valkyrie... But then she becomes confident, and that's kind of about it for her character. Um, yeah. But, like, I think, I feel like if I were to recommend, you know, whether or not to recommend this one for a Bad Princess movie night, I would say yes. Because, again, there's there's stuff to discuss here. And even if you don't know the history of the trading cards or the characters from the, you know, all the source material, I think there's still enough here that you could kind of have a laugh and you can discuss, like, what the hell's going on? Like, what's this, what's this fucking ring thing? Why, why is there a wolf yeah. boy? <laughs> what is up with this? Just mm. in general. 
I'd say, yeah, it's, you know, you're going to have a rough first bit of the film. But if you can stick around until, like, Wolf Boy shows up and the secrets of horse magic, then you're going to have a decent time. I mean, that's the thing, is that if you want to know the secrets of horse magic, you got to put the work in. You got to yeah, watch this you, one. You can't just be given the secrets of horse magic. Even though I'm pretty sure we mentioned it during the opening of this podcast. Oh, shit. Oh, you're right. Damn. Fuck. Well, I I will say, I feel like I earned the secrets of horse magic with this one, because I watched this film three times in the last <laughs> week. In the last- Why in the last week?! So Why I, did you so watch I it more than what? Okay, because here's the thing is that I so I need to watch it obviously once, at least once, to get the summary and to also just get my thoughts on the film. But sure. then I kept rewatching it because I was very confused about like, wait, where where do we learn this? Like what you know, like Ivana Ivana's plan with the eclipse, like does she mention needing the eclipse? Like, where does the eclipse come in? Does she mention it earlier? No, not really. Uh, so I kept watching no. it because I was like, does it explain this part? No, I guess it doesn't. Does oh this part God. come into play? No, I guess it doesn't. So, uh, yeah, three <laughs> times. <laughs> You're you, welcome. You have earned your horse wings. <gasps> Thank you. Congratulations. Wait, is that wings for my horse? Is that wings for my horse or just a horse named Wings? Um, both. A horse named Wings with wings for your horse named Wings. You've earned oh my it. God, I did by it. subjecting yourself to the secrets of horse magic. Oh, that's actually. I don't. Can I give this prize away? Is there a monetary value for no. my horse with wings? Oh shit. No, sorry. <laughs> I guess. I guess I could. I could use it. To fly away. If you need some, some transportation, you don't want to take the bus, hop on your flying horse wings. Oh, yeah. The horse with wings. <laughs> well, I think that is going to be it for us for this one, guys. Um, if you want to check out some clips from this movie and other Bad Princess-related movies, feel free to look us up on Twitter at MOV. There is also the catalog of Bad Princess Movies, which you could find at badprincessmovies.com. And if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions for future movies, or if you want to email me to tell me that you too liked Angela Anaconda, you can email us at badprincessmovies at gmail.com. I'm sure there's got to be somebody else out there that liked Angela Anaconda. Please email me so I know there's that I'm no not alone. Else. It's just you. Was it? I have never encountered another person who liked Angela Anaconda. Everyone, all the homies hate Angela Anaconda. Hey, hey, come on now. There's gotta be, <laughs> there's gotta be somebody out there. Please contact me. I need to prove a point. Contact Christy. Do not contact me. Do not look at me. I will. Do not shake my hand. <laughs> I. Please, oh, please tweet at Brie, Angela Anaconda. If you, her- if anyone does <laughs> that, you will be blocked. You will oh be deleted god. from my mind and memory. Goodbye. Oh, shit. Oh my god, the temptation is so real. If Christy, you want to you end your friendship, do- <laughs> if, 
If you want to keep if you... doing this podcast, you keep that Angela <gasps> calling the shit away from me. Oh my god. Okay, I'll save it. I'll save it for like the next time you are able to visit in person and oh, you'll know I what's going to happen. I'll walk away. You'll like walk I will in walk my out house. Of your apartment. You'll walk in and like you'll just hear like this click 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 as I like as I lock the, all the doors and windows five times and then I just like I just pull out. Uh, I'll do you know what I'll do? I'll pull out the copy that I have of the Digimon movie with the bonus feature of the Angela Anaconda <laughs> intro to the movie, so we could watch that in all its majesty. Absolutely not. And then we'll watch the Digimon movie. Well, I do like I do like the Digimon movie, but um, I will I will close my eyes, plug my ears, and go la 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 through the entire Angela Anaconda bit. And you can't stop me. I will do my best. Just you wait. Well, <laughs> thank you for tuning into this one, guys. Have a lovely week. Have a week. Have a week. And don't forget the secret of horse magic. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> Bye.